Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Ladies and gents, we got Daniel Ryan. <laughs> Greetings, horror fanatics and history lovers. Yes, plenty of history on this one. And we got <clears throat> we got Jonathan Mark. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Got just another award-nominated, easily likable character actor who's played two different types of superheroes. We'll let you know who the other is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm going to circle around so Daniel how did you come to know about this man <laughs> well honestly my, my most immediate exposure had to have been the, the MCU the Marvel Cinematic Universe really? but, uh, but from that I began exploring some, some of his other work and came to see he, he's underrated he's actually a much better actor than he gets credit for I would definitely argue mm. so because I mean considering who he had to work with Coming on both the independent scene and the more mainstream kind of film crowd, he he definitely. I can't ever think of a role where I was like, yeah, he totally got wasted. <laughs> and I mean, to even get all these various different roles without, you know, being underused, that does say a lot. <laughs> so, uh, Jonathan, when did you start paying attention to him? Well, the one that introduced me to him was actually Rush Hour 2. Is oh, really? <laughs> I'm role in that. Is the guy who knows Kung Fu and talk, yep. talking smack with Chris Tucker. And didn't he do a similar... I think he does a similar role around that same time on Mad TV. Yes, he does. Actually. So there you go. <laughs> Pretty funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, because... I mean... That's saying a lot to do a funny role, which you're you did just for fun. That's uncredited, and then redo it on Mad TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so he was just another guy who kind of just started in a few different indie comedies. Um, had some bit part roles and guest appearances on Night Court and Hill Street Blues and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And then he gets a recurring role on Picket Fences. Please note, I'm a big David E. Kelly fan, but I haven't ever seen that show. I meant to. Um, so he does the usual, like any character actor, just starts out guest starring a bunch of on candy roles, rarely saying, playing the same kind of thing. Um, and uh, I think the role that... It, Many uh, gangster movie fans probably know, refer to him as is probably one of his first big key roles. It's in the 88 movie Colors as Rocket, one of the gang leaders. <laughs> yep. 
and, and I mean, when you open up the movie, I hope you remembered when you open up the movie, just blasting someone, you know, like, look, motherfucker. You know? <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think that's what I wouldn't say that's the top must see hood movie, but it's still a pretty well done film. Once you get past some of the self-indulgent nature in the first portion of the movie, it's a pretty gritty and uh very stylish uh, cat and mouse kind of film. Um, so, uh, Jonathan, uh, so you you see him in all these other uh, community experiences, and then I guess all. Uh, so, Daniel, did you even see any of those Soderbergh collaborations, like Out of Sight or the Ocean's Eleven films? Or I, I didn't actually see the Ocean Eleven film, but I didn't see any of those. On all honesty. All right. All good. I mean, so that was kind of an intro to me, let alone my cousins and siblings. We just would watch those kinds of movies a lot. I was just kind of more familiar because, you know, it wasn't too long after he got some award consideration for being in Hotel Rwanda. And I think that movie was in, very intriguing because that's his opus so far, in my opinion. Absolutely. Because, I mean, absolutely. It, it takes a killing fields kind of approach where it just shows, uh, you know, uh, a pedestrian getting, you know, even in a way, almost kind of like Schindler's List, where he just is like, I don't want to get involved. Hey, you're a refugee. That's fine. I don't care. You know, I just managed a hotel. And yeah. next thing you know, mm-hmm. he's seeing a bunch of people dead in the streets as he's driving home from work. And he's just like, well, what, what, what is this? You know, is this related to the people I'm harboring? <laughs> and no, so I, I met, I mentioned history lovers, you know, the Rwandan civil war. That's something that I, I lived through. Well, not personally, but have it in my lifetime, and so it has a certain effect on me. Uh, well, and I think that is interesting, because, I mean, we Americans, we we do have it good in terms of, okay. you know, we don't constantly mm-hmm. have to fear that, you know, I supported a certain dictator or activist figure, my house is going to probably be burned and my, you know kids and wife will be raped, or, you know, <laughs> uh, my family will be harmed, or I will lose a finger for even just shouting my own opinion. So aside from being having, being a very creative in terms of both uh, showing a lot of the South African wars that went on and portraying the events, it also goes a step further by even uh, just uh, wanting to just show like, the second guessing that goes from that step on you know do i retreat do i uh do i run away do i abandon all hope so it it does a good job of emotions surging through someone instead of just you know actors playing to the camera and i think it helped that he was a partial cameroon descent so he definitely related to it and um uh you know so but you know then i went back you know out of sight and traffic constantly got played on cable TV. So I saw those, you know, I saw uh, most people, you know, who had HBO back in the day probably saw, you know, uh, his portrayal of Sammy Davis in the Rat Pack film, let alone. It was a good choice for that. Absolutely. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he kind of has that kind of sass that he can inject in his enunciation and everything. And stars in a few derivative movies like you know boogie nights and the family man even rosewood but you know those were pretty popular too and i i do think he's good in all three of those 
over the years, things behind the sun would constantly get, uh, which was a Showtime original film, was an interesting film because, I mean, he has a brief role in that. And yet he uh, that was a very ambitious indie film by Alison Anders of Mi Vida Loca and Gas Food Lodging fame. And just kind of more of a he said, she said kind of film. And then it takes kind of a usual suspects approach where it's or Rashomon style where it shows the whole film out of chronological order. Uh, but he was interesting because he's kind of one of the bystanders, one of many voices listening in on uh, the story and trying to make their own opinion. And I think he just had a very natural way of just blending into the ensemble cast and knowing that, you know, he's only as good as what he gives it, as opposed to I'm only as good as, you know, what whatever kind of role it is, let alone how long I'm on screen. You know, it's like if you're just dedicated, people are going to want to give you more footage or frame time anyway. You know, so mm -hmm. I think he really did. Um, uh, Wikipedia was stating that he got more uh, acclaim for his brief role as one of the uh, detectives or actually I think he's more of a private eye or it's been a while since I've seen that one but in Devil in a Blue Dress I only kind of remember the violent second half of that movie but I mean he's been in a few sports movies like uh, The Legend of Earl the Goat Man of Goat which I haven't seen yet I do recall him in Volcano, but that's kind of just a more bystanding role. That's like the only role I can think where he's not really used all that well. But I didn't remember him in that one. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone just remembers Tommy Lee Jones running around and shouting, but, you know, it's not even yeah. much of a role for him. So um, probably the only movie I've actually seen in the theater outside of some of the, like, Civil War and the recent <laughs> Avengers films was probably uh, Traitor. Now, John, were you able to watch that before? No. It's all good. Okay. So it was another kind of uh, just undercover film, but what made it stand out was he was playing a Sudanese American who, you know, was having to gain a terrorist trust and pose as a bomb maker while, you know, uh, you know, basically he's working for the CIA while he's being hunted down by FBI agents. So, that's what was really interesting about it. And I recall it. I, I can watch it anytime I see it on one of the movie channels and, or when I just got bored and would take out the DVD. Cause I think it just has your, um, just attention anytime, everywhere. And it helps that, um, he was able to convey that kind of emotions without, uh, just, you know, feeling stilted or uncomfortable in that kind of role. Did anyone ever bother with his portrayal of Miles Davis in Miles Ahead? <laughs> I did not. He was pretty intriguing in that one because, you know, he'd already done some kind of roles that were called singing and dancing. And I think it's helped that he's also made a bunch of TV guest spots he apparently got a lot of attention for his role, his guest appearance on ER. And he's had a few other shows on Showtime that I haven't seen, like House of Lies and Black Monday. But I think it's interesting that he was even able to win a Grammy for portraying Miles Davis. So he's not only having to act like that jazz musician, but also sing as him. And I think it's interesting because he's not as big a name 
he's still a name, I think, thanks to his Soderbergh and George Clooney collaborations and definitely Boogie Nights and Hotel Rwanda. But it's interesting how he kind of just is so used to being part of an ensemble that he uses that to his advantage. He he's that gives him permission to kind of just continually surprise everyone. And, and um, not not heard anything messed up about him, which is cool. Um, he's apparently done very minuscule voiceover roles. He's done some other. Sorry, go ahead. Which is kind of surprising. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seemed like that was the thing for anyone. And I think he just wanted just to kind of do a lot of true life kind of stuff. And then midway, I think around definitely being in parts of other ensembles like Crash and definitely Avengers, I think he just decided, you know, just keep taking on just more just atypical kind of roles. Don't go for the obvious one where, you know, I, you know, I play an LGBT victim. I play a, you know, soldier. Uh, I, I need to play someone who's, you know, a businessman who's got to think about life or something like that. Um, he is pretty good in Rain Over Me, although that movie is pretty depressing. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that one. Uh, um, how do we feel about his role in Avengers, especially when it was such an ugly affair to begin with, where, you know, Terrence Howard and Robert Downey weren't getting along, and so... <laughs> somehow uh bumpy roads did a uh, you know surgery and made himself look like don Cheadle. <laughs> it, was, in the role. It, it was it was awkward at first but i think he definitely has made the role his own yeah he exactly. as we are recording ladies and gents i will lay a reminder i haven't seen him pop up much on falcon and the winter soldier yet so um, he's supposed to be on the rest of that, but, um, he's got one of his own coming up. Yeah. Armor Wars. I, I will say when he first started out in the solo Iron Man films, I, I really didn't really dig, uh, how he was being used. Cause you know, seeing what a vast resume he had before, I just kind of felt like it was a mild step down. But then the, but by, by the time we got to civil war, I was like, okay, now they're actually using him and, the last two, they definitely made use of him. He's actually interacting with all the other members of the team and providing scientific insight instead of just, you know, posing in the background and, you know, looking concerned. So I think it helps that um, he's definitely the kind of guy who wants to keep uh, being unpredictable. And I think he, because he has a sense of humor and he's pretty calm in a lot of his appearances, I think everyone definitely understands how well he plays to the camera and so they're willing to you know you know creatively uh, find the ways to use him to his best absolutely uh, the best comes out every time um and, and it was funny i would always see parts of out of sight on cable and i had i never connected the dots i was like oh that's the dude from colors and oceans 11 with the fake british accent and see it is kind of funny how <laughs> Ocean's Eleven, he got some flag for it because, you know, it wasn't that great a British accent. But at the same time, I kind of found it amusing and same gave it more, more of a campy appeal to it. But it was just bad enough that he's like, yeah, I'm going to go uncredited. I'm going <laughs> to dump that accent next installment we do. <laughs> I'm like, jeez, really? 
I have seen him do a bunch of amusing uh, guest spot appearances because it's not uncommon for the talk show host to get off topic and deviate. But I think he really is getting bullshit. Because... bullshit. It's all bullshit. <laughs> um, what was really hysterical was when he was. Uh, I would always see him be kind of natural when I would see him on something like Letterman. But then, you know, I would see him on Conan and he would know how to tell a random funny story. And uh, let alone some other music stories that his co-stars would talk about. And he would really uh, kind of confirm that, but kind of more of a sly way. He'd be like, yeah, who's asking? <laughs> of course I did that. Um, and apparently, oh, that's right. <laughs> Chase forgot he was in that. Um, oh boy. Well, it's it's not a bad one. Uh, did you ever see uh, the movie Talk to Me, where he played a activist who was also a radio talk show host, Dewey Hughes? No, PD Green. Not what I thought you were talking about. That one no, was pretty. Happened. That one was pretty amusing because he he knew how to kind of. He's basically plays three different kinds of persona. The persona that the audience sees, the persona that everyone sees behind the scenes, and the persona that basically, you know, his real life girlfriends and other friends know him as. And uh they took some liberties apparently with the story, but I thought it was actually a pretty funny movie. And it's definitely gonna be interesting. It's kind of like Pirate Radio with Philip Seymour Hoffman. There's another one where it's just like, okay. So they're playing outside of the usual uh, things that you expect. And I think it helps that it's... Uh, this is one of many movies that he's in where it's risk-taking. Um, another movie that he's kind of underrated in that was also just commonly shown on Sundance and Showtime is Manic, where he plays one of the guys in the psychiatric ward who's supervising uh the mental patients he really does stand out you know instead of doing a nurse hatchet or any other kind of doctor impersonation he literally kind of just plays to the uh low budget look of the film by just reminding everyone he's like he's kind of the audience's connection where he's soaking in you know the actors are already doing a good job of, sh of making the issues that the psych ward members are feeling very humane and relatable or understandable. And he's also just kind of breathing in. It's like, well, here's my solution instead of you running away, <laughs> even though I know you're going to run away. Here's my solution. Um, he does have a brief role in Bullworth. I think that's an amusing satirical film at times. And I also think it's kind of whatever at other times, but it's an interesting watch. Um, yeah, I was going to mention Swordfish, but Daniel probably thought I was talking about Mission to Mars. No, heavens no. I would never do that to you. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. Uh, he's really hysterical in the buddy Irish comedy uh, The Guard with Brendan Gleeson. That's, that's directed by the brother of N. Burgess uh, and Seven Psychopaths. So... Ah, okay. Actually, it might be the other way around, but uh, and, no, it's the other way around. My bad. Yeah, he's the brother of the that other director. But 
that role was interesting because he was playing the straight place got you know fbi guy to a you know irish cop who's a total bigot and basically hates anybody who's not him <laughs> what separates him from all the trumps and jeff bezos of the worlds is that he's just kind of he's just a dick because he's basically used to playing dirty and and knows he's a flawed character even though he's still a piece of work um what's interesting about this is that Cheeto is so by the book, and then near the end, he just finally picks up a gun at the end and just starts blasting at all the Irish guys. <laughs> um, he does have a brief uh, role in the movie Flight, where he and John Goodman play the you know supervisors trying to understand how the uh, plane crashed. Now, we already talked enough about that on the Denzel Washington episode, but it is a must-see movie. He apparently has a role in the upcoming Space Jam sequel, so we'll see how that works. Yeah. So, side note, they took out Pepe Le Pew, but they left the friggin' Droogs in there? Oh, God. They did. What are, what are, so what's, what message are they really trying to send here? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to okay. lust, you just can't rape, even though they kind of go hand in hand. <laughs> Especially if you're a prude. But that's okay. There's no prudes here. Um, he's really interesting in the true life uh, crime film, A Lesson Before Dying, uh, where basically he played uh, a real life person uh, watching another man on trial uh, for murder. And I think it was set. Yeah, that's right. It was set in Louisiana. Uh, it was a man sentenced to death by the electric chair, chair twice. That's how, yeah. He does have an amusing appearance as Frederick Douglass on Drunk History. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, my, my personal favorite on Funny or Die, he's yeah. Captain Planet. That really was brilliant casting. And I, I remember for a while, my brother and even my father, we had all seen that video because Funny or Die was becoming a big thing at that time. We were just like get out of my way before I turn you into a fucking tree. <laughs> it really is hysterical because he's that kind of, he's naturally used to doing all those comedic appearances. So I think it helped that he was just willing to, to get straight up and body. Bent. Yeah. And just, and I think he's just very adept at any kind of tone that you throw at him. Um, in the remake of Phil Safe, which was interesting because it was filmed not only more like a stage play, uh, but assembled, you know, acclaimed British filmmaker Stephen Frears. And uh, they they had it be live, like broadcast on CBS. <laughs> hmm. and, and so it, it was way more intriguing and intense because um, basically... Uh, they basically just, you know, brought a, a more timeless nature to, you know, that original World War Free scenario. And he's one of the many soldiers who are on the suicide mission ready to, you know, drop a bomb after mistaking a signal by Russia as a sign of war and defying all orders. And I, I do think, again, what about just, Major Kong? Oh, Major what? Major Kong, you know, Dr. Strangelove. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's <laughs> definitely like that, although not funny. Um, um, 
he apparently had a brief role on hanging Mr. Co- with Mr. Cooper, so I'm sure he gets some j- laughs from that. I do briefly recall his role on L.A. Law. He apparently was briefly on the 86 version of Fame, so he definitely has some atypical kind of TV appearances. I guess some people might have seen the 2000 episode of The Simpsons where he plays Brother Faith. I haven't seen that one, but I definitely, I, I, I definitely partially, I think, saw his appearance on the Bernie Mac show. That's pretty funny, but he's apparently the current voice of Donald Duck. He made a surprise appearance on DuckTales, <laughs> the new one. I even know that. Yeah, I, something I was ahead. noting on the Nightmare Nerd recently, by the way. I believe they're probably going to be rebooting Gargoyles for Disney+. Plus. They dropped hints at it. I would not uh, deny that. I think it is coming, especially because the VHS tapes sold so well back even in that day. It was just one of their most popular original cartoon shows that wasn't even based on, you know, any previous animated film. And so I think you're right. And I think they've been seeing the numbers uh, the ratings on the streaming platform for after updating that cartoon and put it on there. So, I mean, I, I would not doubt it at all. I'm sure they're going to have to eventually. Now, all I can ask is, are you going to bring some of the same actors back and do very minimum? They need Keith David. Absolutely. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> and, it's and don't you dare replace Cheeto with, you know, Keith, because... <laughs> And not not to be unfair to either actor who's awesome, but it's just like, come on, no, <laughs> it's not broken. Don't fix it. Um, yeah, and I think it's interesting that he's been in a few middle school music videos, but he's consistently kind of he's worked with some of the same filmmakers, and then he hasn't at the all the same. Um. Yeah, really, honestly, the only role I can think of where he's kind of not really used all that much in or was this close to being typecast might have been the United States of Leland, which is basically dealing with a school shooter and the aftermath and the assassination of Richard Nixon, which is based on an actual creep who many bystanders recall had plans to actually attempt an assassination and both those roles, he was playing a bystander who was asking innocent questions about an otherwise crazy person. So, but other than that, I can't think of any movie where it's like, yeah, you play the same exact guy every time, everywhere. Um, he has another brief role in Hamburger Hill, which is like his third film. And I think that was interesting because he just, he didn't have much dialogue, but yet he just looks so natural as just a, uh, soldier who could again get blown apart in gory fashion at any minute (laughs) and i think he is pretty adept at showing that susceptibility and i think it's even more interesting that he's in very recent years just done a lot of documentary voiceovers and become an executive producer on a lot of his material (laughs) branching off he's supposed to play jeremiah hamilton in an up coming rehash of Prince of Darkness, so. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's about the only black millionaire in New York at that time, so. 1875, geez. <laughs> that, yeah. So, 
again, he's going back to his typical stick where he shtick where he plays a historical figure and then he kind of uh, just runs into a trap. He's attached to a crime thriller film that is once again by Steven Soderbergh. It is an all-star cast. And why all-star cast? I mean, giant-ass cast. It's supposed to be released straight to HBO Max. And it co-stars Benicio Del Toro, David Harbour, Ray Liotta, Kieran Culkin, Brendan Fraser, and John Hamm. Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the one that was supposed to have a bunch of other actors attached before they all dropped out. Oh, did a lot of them jump out? Yeah, so there you go. It might be an outdated listing, but... Well, I think that's the current listing. I know the original might... was Sebastian Stan and John Cena and Nicolas Cage. Oh, jeez. So they, they were floating so many names then. Mm. Um, Ed Solomon is typically a pretty reliable writer, so he's worked on... <clears throat> he's basically just produced a lot of franchises like bill and ted men in black and now you see me so if it's anything like any of those free i'm sure it'll be fun <laughs> i know one role i remember don Cheadle in and i haven't seen this in a long time was after the sunset yeah okay you know i take it back that might be the only role where i thought he was kind of wasted yeah but the movie was certainly watchable. It just wasn't. It was a lazy Saturday morning movie, as you expect from, you know, Brett Ratner. <laughs> yeah. He's briefly in one of the Clive Owen BMW films, but that was such a brief short out of all of them. But I'm sure that was a fun day on set. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I don't think he can go wrong uh, just having a mostly just pretty captivating uh, resume he has a very minuscule role in things to do in denver when you're dead but that's like one scene and out but um i think yeah, it's I remember uh, that until i read the listing yeah uh, he's just a very fortunate guy and uh, i don't think anyone has any problem with him i've never heard him about being overpassionate or ego blinded and i think it helps that he's been willing to just kind of put his persona out there and uh, just work with all these big names and never feel uncomfortable in any way. I know he plays himself in an episode of 30 Rock, but I don't believe I've seen that one. So, well, that's all for now, guys. So I'm going to let Nightmare Nerd plug his upcoming YouTube show. Well, <clears throat> well, excuse me. Got some stuff coming up. Um, neglected my channel a bit the last couple of weeks. It's been a bit of a malaise, but there are some things coming, believe you me. And I'm trying to also get a few other projects up off the ground. I'm actually going to start experimenting with my own uh, hot sauce formula, so be on the lookout for that. As oh. always, as always, eat, drink, and be scary. I might have to fund your Kickstarter. <laughs> if I start one. You know, I mean, if anything, you could do a crowdfunder, so that way... You still get the keep the money as opposed to oh I didn't make the goal I lose it all <laughs> refund city here um so Johnny boy what's new well, I don't have my next review I'll be watching soon which is Mudget or Death huh. Michael Bray so that should be interesting uh, who's in that one that was Michael Bray. 
Merchant of Death. Oh, my, oh, Merchant of Death. Yeah, yeah I have. So you're going back to some a lot of the two B and Prime, B <laughs> actioners. Okay, cool. Very cool. Well, this was short and to the point. So thank you all for being on here. It's always a blast doing this with you because, I mean, we get to basically uh, reminisce as well as just guffaw at the very creative choices that some of these people make. And tomorrow I'm definitely looking forward to as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jackie Jen. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. And everyone, uh, again, I know we're not out of the clear yet. Just keep doing something to pass the time. <laughs> yeah, of course. Exactly. Uh, righty, Kick ass. Have a good night. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. Mm -hmm. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm -hmm. Music. music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, please. Yeah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah, ah, ah. All that good fun stuff. <laughs> well, you. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't run the listeners away, Pete. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. 
So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's late, it's time, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love your movies We love the bad ones, too So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you Oh, yeah Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one-life plot holes and gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steven Izzy
at eilfm.podbean.com. Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She? will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author, Wendy Heller, and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant two podcasts one is the macgyver podcast where we celebrate richard dean anderson his iconic roles and how it's influenced our lives there's episode discussions interviews and life conversations the second podcast is the never gets old podcast where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life from tv movies music and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers 
bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watchers to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up review show. It's a jacked up review show. Jacked up review show. Show.